in three seconds. All right, so guys, welcome back to the Men's Jiu-Jitsu Podcast. Today, I'm joined by someone who knows the pain and agony I go through on a daily basis trying to make these episodes, fellow podcaster and BJJ Black Belt, Peter Memiev. Not a fellow Black Belt, just a fellow podcaster, because I'm not. <laughs> I should have prefaced that. I should have phrased that better. But what's up? What's up, Peter? Hey, Andrew. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Uh, I also want to make sure I said your name right. How do you say uh, your second name? Because I spelt it wrong when I initially put the thing up. <laughs> yeah, it's Mamaev, but uh, I never, I never get upset at people for mispronouncing it or misspelling it. Uh, sure, even if you do get upset with them, you can just kill them during rolling. So it's all the same, really. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I guess, man. First things first. I have to know how'd you get into jiu-jitsu anyway? Anyway, like. Uh, and did you train anything else before starting or did you just start with jiu-jitsu? Uh, so no, I haven't trained anything combat related before um, before jiu-jitsu. Uh, normally you'd, I, I often encounter people coming in and they assume they train, when you ask them, have you trained before? And they say, oh yeah, I did this martial art and this martial art, which to most jiu-jitsu practitioners, yeah, it's irrelevant, you, you grant. So, but no, I didn't train anything before. I started in 2012. September 2012 um, uh, in Dublin so I moved to Dublin so I, I it's my th- year number 13 in Ireland um, I studied up in Donegal and Letterkenny for four years then I moved up to Dublin and then a year after I moved to Dublin I started jiu-jitsu and the reason I started it is as again a pretty standard story I suppose Um, kind of got interested in MMA uh, started watching a load of videos. I think George St. Pierre was my kind of first inspiration. So I, I looked at George St. Pierre and then he would talk about jiu-jitsu. And then, but I was quite firm, firmly intending to um, to start training MMA. Never, never really wanted to fight specifically, but, and I was, I was 23 at the time, I think. So I just wanted to train. And uh, so I went up to a gym and I said, hey guys, I want to train MMA. And the guy that was at the reception at the that day is like, hey, there's a jiu-jitsu class tomorrow, so come and, come and try jiu-jitsu. So then in the following day, I started training jiu-jitsu. And then I realized since I never really want to fight and fight, fight, a proper like competitive fight, um, when it comes to MMA, I only wanted to train. I realized that jiu-jitsu has uh, such a vast depth uh, that it was plenty for me. I, I really enjoyed it, fell in love straight away, and never really stopped since. So that was 2012, yeah. Hmm. Amen. Was there any sort of uh, concept or technique that wasn't really sinking in when you initially started, like anything you struggled with in particular? Um, I, I can't recall specifically. Um, I remember I remember being people telling me I was really strong at the time. So that was probably, you know, now I can see in in, in retrospect and hindsight that uh, I was probably, you know, muscling a lot and, you know, doing all sorts of silly things as a white belt because people would, you know, like usually kind of passive aggressively would tell you as a compliment, but it's not really a compliment. <laughs> it's only subsequently you realize. So I was like, just like everybody else, I suppose. I was relatively fit. I wasn't like any... Uh, any superhuman or anything that was a bit chubby, but still strong and fit to some extent. Mm. Um, but what I remember is actually something that's, that I struggled with was during my blue belt days. There was a prolonged period of time where I probably my biggest dip that I can remember in kind of my me- mental perception of jujitsu. 
Um, I was early blue belt, I think, and I guess just kept getting in a triangle all the time, over and over again, like for for weeks. Just the same thing, and um, I just couldn't wrap my head around it. Like, why why am I doing this? So I started getting caught by white belts, like just by everybody out of nowhere. I wasn't never really caught getting caught in the triangle prior to that, like with that frequency. And then at some point, just for weeks, I just repeatedly, you know, a few times every class I would get caught in a triangle until one day I came in and I realized just as I was about to get caught, I realized what I was doing wrong. I was like turning my head, literally just giving the triangle to a person. And then I was like, why, why am I doing this? And why, how, how is it possible it took me so long, like several weeks to realize such an obvious mistake that I was making. So that was kind of the, the, the big that always stands out to me. And it stands out to me, you know, if, even from a coaching perspective, if I see somebody, you know, people struggling with the, with a particular technique, it doesn't always make a logical sense why you're struggling with this. And it doesn't matter if you kind of logically explain the steps, how to prevent something or how, how to get a certain technique. You just go sometimes through phases where it's unexplainable. It was so basic and I knew it and it was so obvious, but I still struggled with it at the time. Mm. I mean, we always have moments like that. Like, uh, see, when like I don't want to just paint it with a broad brush and say, oh, it's just a blue belt blues because, you know, I think that's like a oversimplification. Like we always go through funks and shit. And then just, yeah. uh, I, I remember once I heard all the sort of... Um, variants of the the term blue belt blues for like uh each each and every belt i'm just thinking well man you could just make that excuse for fucking uh you can, so you can make that argument for every single belt like oh dude uh you're this belt uh that's normal like yeah. well you know plus you but know it is it is well you know funks are just a part of it but it's not like exclusive to any particular belt or anything as people just say and also we i think they're necessary like you said because once you realize what you're doing wrong you know, you probably felt like a, you either feel like a genius for figuring it out or feeling like an idiot for sort of letting it get to that point in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, you know most, mostly, mostly, I think beside the technique, beside anything else or beside what you kind of learn actually about jujitsu, uh, it's more just the mental aspect of it is, you know, this, this, these periods, these prolonged periods sometimes happen where you literally can't figure things out. Mm. And as long as you keep rolling, as long as you keep going, you know, one way or the other, there was probably a more efficient way of figuring that out. But at the time, you know, just time worked for me. Hmm. I see. Like, uh, I've dealt with a few funk, funks in my, my, my day. And I've been training less than four years, and I'm saying, oh, in my day, like I'm an old man or something. I don't know. See, I just, and I've, like, I've looked into it. I've looked into, um, like, what other people's, like, solutions to this problem, or, you know, if you want to call it a problem, but, you know, shit happens. Just, like, one of the most common ones I saw was, like, changing up your game just a little. Because, you know, you know, one of the most common things people experience is when, like, say you're very reliant on, like, smashing the half guard or something, but then it just doesn't work suddenly one day. It sort of throws you for a loop and all that shit, and then the thing sort of spirals off of that. Yeah. Mm. See, Peter, what was your first sort of experience with a jiu-jitsu competition? Because I always love these stories because they're always fucking hilarious. <laughs> like, uh, you know, one dude, uh, what's it, uh, got disqualified for some... Some stupid bullshit. I was like, oh, I didn't fucking know I could do that. Another dude put this guy to sleep in 11 seconds. These, I love these stories when of the first competitions that people do. So let's hear it, bro. Uh, first, uh, I don't think it was anything specifically funny, but um, I get, 
actually the funny thing is is I, I really wanted to, to train him I made the, 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 when I walked into the gym but when I started jiu-jitsu I never really intended to compete the competition was not on my radar it's like why why would I do something like this I didn't see myself as progressing fast or anything like this so it's like not intending to to compete for the foreseeable future maybe ever who knows so I didn't even grasp what competitions were I never never really saw them and um, so it was I'd say about four months into training when uh, um, I started seeing some guys from our gym competing so a guy comes in. So I would I wouldn't even know that they were competing. They would just rock in one day into the gym, and everybody lines up for them. And it's like, oh, this and this, you know, competed the past weekend, and they won the medal. I was like, oh, competition. I never heard of, com-, you know, didn't know the the competitions around. And then you know that happened a couple of times. I was like, listen, I'll I'll give it a go. It seems like a good crack. So at the time, the first competition was uh, for me was ADCC Ireland. It was organized in 2013, early 2013. Um, so it was, the, I think, the first ADCC Ireland. I think Marius organized it. And we all, like a bunch of us, went over to compete. It was Nogi. Um, so I looked up at what ADCC was and I was like, Jesus, this is serious. And, you know, I really, really need to get, get ready for this. So um started kind of this focused training. I think got a lot better within probably about a month preceding the competition than in the prior three months. I think, as I said, it was my fourth month training. Uh, went, competed. I still have the recording of the match. Uh, I think I uploaded on my Google Drive somewhere the that time, and it still sits there. Uh, and I remember the match very, very well. Very, very well. I remember it probably second by second almost, uh, how, it, how it unfolded. So I lost it. Uh, but I had, so I, I wrapped up a crappy arm triangle, what what I know is crappy arm triangle right now. Uh, so anaconda, actually dar style, so from the arm side towards the head, I locked it up, uh, but really shallow, kind of on the bicep, and I jumped the close guard. So, uh, which obviously now I wouldn't do, but uh, I was fresh white belt so anyway and i thought i had it i was like listen he can't get his head out so i'm just gonna keep squeezing so naturally i burned my arms off completely so i had to let go ended up in close guard then we kept fighting but at at that time my arms were wrecked my cardio was wrecked everything was wrecked so i got a couple of triangle entries one regular one reverse triangle couldn't finish them off because pro just didn't have a technique to finish them. I kind of vaguely knew how to finish the triangle, but nothing specific, no adjustments, nothing. So missed those. And as I was throwing a triangle again, he just literally pushed my legs to the side, passed my guard, got into <laughs> mount. And then I got out eventually. And then I just lost my points. Uh, my forearms were gone, absolutely. And put... The drive I got from that to compete again was was immense. It was insane. I was like, I, I'm ready to go again. I want to do this again. So even though I lost, I, I remember how I lost. It was really, really good experience. So enjoyed it a lot. Mm. Uh, see, I think that's usually how it goes for most people. Like they more more often than not, you're probably going to lose your first match. Like that's just the um, the dealio. Like, uh, but it, hopefully, it'll either yield to like two sort of outcomes. Like. The one for you where you had to drive afterwards to compete again and, uh, you know, kick some ass. Or you'd just be like, 
meh, that wasn't too good, or oh my god, that was horrible, or oh, I yeah. fucking lost, or you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. I know that I know I said that's two outcomes, but that's like a multiple part, that's like a multiple parter. The second one was, yeah, but as I said, it's, it's pretty standard. I, I don't think any anybody, unless you have something outrageous or something funny, roughly everybody has a very, very similar experience. That's why. That's why, as coaches, then we are able to explain these things to people and hopefully, you know, get them to to do it more often and not get the, too disappointed with the, with their first result if they lose and and so on. Mm. Oh, man, speaking of competitions, do you have a preferred rule set to fight under? Not really. Um, as I said, I'm not. A, I'm not a some kind of a massive competitor that, you know, with high stakes on my results. So at this moment in time, I'll compete at anything. Um, so 2020, I was, as, as many people, um, I had finally kind of the full year of, let's say, doing this as my as my job, um, where I compete a lot, but um, I couldn't. And to answer your question again, any rule set is good for me. I, don't, mm. I honestly don't care. Mm. I uh, get this one rule set that like I really wouldn't mind fighting under is uh, the fight to win one where you can slam people. That's like the only distinction that you can slam the fuck out of people. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not. I haven't really watched too many fight to wins, but it kind of makes sense. I mean, I don't think you should put yourself in a situation where you get slammed. I know with you know there's this I'm not into the debate where oh sports jujitsu is different from you know combat and real fight and stuff I think it's all kind of horseshit but um, slam is I mean you shouldn't allow yourself to get picked up and potentially slammed even by accident uh, but the most glorious one I saw this was recently uh, this guy jumped into close guard got this guy up and this dude hopped up hopped up and like a uh, bent his knees and like got a full exaggerated fling in so this guy yeah. felt the full brunt of this slam it was like a super slam if anything yeah. I, I didn't see the aftermath i don't know if this how messed up this guy got afterwards but i bet it was a lot <laughs> i assume they have some form of uh, kind of sus- suspension on the yeah. on the under the under the canvas on the mask because they have this elevated platform yeah, like wwe style you yeah know, you, always, you always see it springing up and shit so i say that's yeah. uh like, you know, it's more, um, what's it, well-suited to a slamming rule set. Because imagine slamming yeah. on just a regular match, like, I think you kill somebody. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Like, as I said, I, one on one hand, I I say you, you probably shouldn't allow somebody to put, put yourself in a position where you get slammed. But also, I don't see myself slamming somebody, you know, for whatever result. Potentially hurting them badly. For what? So, you know, I, I don't see myself slamming anybody. <laughs> Ah uh, well, at least at least someone isn't slamming people. It, you yeah. people could learn. You could people. You people could uh, take a uh, take a page out of Peter's book. That'd be nice. All you fight to win uh, or organizers and shit. Just learn a thing or two. Uh, P- Peter, uh, what's your favorite uh, submission? By the way, whether it just be cat trying to catch in competition or in the gym, just your hands down your favorite submission. Uh, I don't have hands down favorite submission honestly. I can't, like you, you mentioned, preempted that question before, but I can't think of anything specific. It goes in phases. So uh, right now, um, so something that I've been teaching for a couple of months prior to our lockdown is omoplata. I've just been in love with omoplata recently, and it's been working magic, amazing. More so as control even than than a submission, and leading to to other variations of submissions. Um, Love reverse triangles. I think they're they're great. 
all sorts of reverse funky triangles and entries. Um, those are good. Um, yeah, so Omoplata is my favorite right now. But mm. as I said, I don't, I don't really discriminate. <laughs> oh, dude, I'm, I'm big into Omoplata's a bit as well. Like, uh, I have a Christian Woodman sees instructional on them, not sponsored. And, like, it's, it's a very good one because he breaks it down into, like, three volumes because, you know, since they come in, like, several videos like one is for setups the other is for transitions and the other is for finishes so if you want to take like setup a and transition b and fucking finish c and meld them together somehow you know that's that's pretty it's pretty good as opposed to one long sequence in the video because man yeah. i'm a platter using it to sweep is so fucking cool and then when you get to that weird sweeping position if you like you can like switch your hips to like a weird monoplata which i yeah. never finish because I think I'm stupid or something. <laughs> it's a tricky position, but as I said, if you put a bit of, I find if you put a bit of time into it, then um, you really can gain a lot out of it. Hmm. Plus, like, uh, one last thing before, uh, I'll keep gushing on the Omoplata, but this is just one last point I want to bring up about it. My favorite thing, like, I, I fuck around with lapels a lot, like, but my favorite position with them isn't like squid guard, worm guard, or any of them. It's the lapel Omoplata. Just get, you know, you can get the fucking omoplata sweep with the lapel very, very, very easily if you're like mid squid guard entry and shit. It's fucking really cool. Nice. <laughs> All right. See, uh, what was the first sort of seminar you attended in, uh, in Jiu Jitsu? Do you remember who was teaching it, what was taught at it, and so on? First seminar was probably something. Um organized in in my old school where i used to train in world geese um i couldn't tell you now what was taught how it was taught and what i was doing i think that's the first one who was it again i I couldn't i couldn't um if if i'm not mistaken um so at the time the team i was training with was gf team and um they were affiliated with gf team and the guy who runs gf team europe Gabriel Rahinia. Uh he's based in Germany, he's an excellent guy, so he did um passing seminar, if I'm not mistaken. The first time he came. He came a couple of a few times over. Um but he came and he showed at the time Rodolfo Vieira was massive, like he was the, the business, he was the thing. He made like you know, early 2010s, like 2012, 2013, 14, 15, like Rodolfo Vieira was like the business. He was mm. like the best passer anybody has ever seen and he was just wrecking the divisions. Um, and so he showed us the GF team style passing, which was excellent. So I still use some of the some of the bits. There's like one couple of little details that I still use to this day. What sort of uh, what sort of details? I, I must know, dude. <laughs> um, so you're entering into like this different position, things called like you know split squat position, whatever the name for it is these days. But you basically enter and you always fight against one leg. Whenever there's like an open guard, you always step over the leg, you know, shove it between your legs, and you pinch it with right. your knees together. So and then you enter into like X X pass style position. So you have the collar grip, you have the grip outside of the knee and that's your kind of and then you stay heavy in the in the headquarter style position right so um so one little detail that always helped me is instead of just pushing the knee in so trying to get rid of the leg when you're trying to kind of horse kick back uh, into the x pass you use your own knee outside knee to kind of hit it so you use 
your leg to disturb kind of the equilibrium of the of the leg that's trying to kind of get away from you and, and try and hook you, right? So you use that outside leg to just whack it, like just give it like a little slap yeah, and kind of freeze you up for further action. Yeah, so it's like a little hop. I don't know how to explain it without without showing it, but that little detail. So usually as you, see, you see people just kind of driving it like leg drive style, just shoving the leg using the arms, but that little detail with where you hit knee to knee, so inside of your knee hits outside of their knee. Oh, okay. And that kind of just momentarily disturbs that, so that, that point of them being content and comfortable, which that sets you up for a better pass. Hmm. Uh, your audio has gotten a little bit uh, grainy there, just a tiny bit. Sorry, is that better? Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's better. See, oh man, that makes perfect sense. You didn't need to show that at all. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah, man, that's it. I got a few questions that I reserve for coaches. So what's the first sort of technique or concept you teach your beginner's class? Say just day one, first thing you show them? Uh, so it, it varies. It depends on, on in the moment. Um, so I said there's one or two. I either teach the mount or I teach uh, back control. So lately, I've I've been showing rear naked choke. The first class, I just show them rear naked choke because everybody. It's very easy to explain. It's very easy to set up the position, and it just has the right effect to get people a bit excited about it. Because everybody knows roughly read like the kind of the outlines of rear naked choke, but they don't know really how it works. Maybe they tried it with their friends, but when they walk in and somebody shows them how to properly set it up, how to properly lock it in, and how little effort is required to finish it, I think that has the desired effect to get them excited for what's what's the rest. And, and they know there is, because down the line, you'll have to show them things that are not necessarily that exciting, but necessary. Mm. So that first boost of uh, excitement is it kind of, Serves you as a um, as a good um, as a good concept to, as I said, to to get people excited enough to carry with the boring stuff. Then, mm. now that makes sense, man. See, what's your sort of coaching style? Do you emphasize drilling, rolling, or positional training? What's your sort of uh, take? Um, more positional training uh, and roll. So I like to give people time to to roll and do positional sparring. So with certain frameworks, with with certain rules in place. Um, I don't do too much of traditional drilling. I'd rather do positional sparring from a specific position setup. So we'll try to just get the, as I said, the outlines of kind of general direction of the movement first, then try to get kind of the fine, smaller, finer details, not, not always like within the same, even a week. Sometimes, you know, you, you just work with the broad outlines for a week. I tend to stick to the same position for at least a month, position being broad position. So if we're talking about on plat, I could just, as you say, you, you're you're a fan of on plat, so you know how broad that position is. So if I pick the on plat, it will stay on it for a month. I won't switch from on from on plat to something else, you know, within that month. Um, so we do a lot of, as I said, positional sparring, um, minor amount of drilling without resistance, just to get the pathway. To, to success, right from A to B, and then from there it's just positional sparring with with resistance. And um, yeah, that's my that's my take. And then usually we have one or two days in a week reserved to just free sparring. So when it's a structured class, it's 
pretty much all positional sparring with maybe one or two free rolls. But then come Friday, Saturday, then it's whatever works for you. Mm. I mean, so is there any sort of advice you'd give to other gym owners? Like, say someone's thinking of opening up a gym soon. Like, uh, what's any sort of uh, uh, what's it, pitfalls for them to avoid? Like, what's your sort of take? I have the whole podcast on it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Check out the All Jiu-Jitsu podcast, by the way, which will be linked yeah. in the description. <laughs> there's there's a lot of... <laughs> a lot of uh, podcasts. Oh, sorry, a lot of a lot of potential pitfalls. Of course, listen. If you gotta get started, just start, and then you'll figure it out. You know what I mean? There's, if you try to avoid all mistakes, you know you won't. Even if you listen to my podcast, you probably won't still avoid a lot of mistakes. Um, you're just gonna get get started. But um, a few things is you need to understand why you're doing it. I think that that comes as a first priority you need to understand why you want to run a gym what's the purpose and then write it down somewhere and anytime you try to make a decision or you're making a decision down the line because the when you open up with a small amount of people every decision is easy every decision has a very little consequences you can explain it directly to people to the five people that you, you start with two three four five ten people no problems 20 people still okay Right, you can explain it directly to them. You start growing beyond that. Every decision will have will start having having a lot of different consequences. There's a lot more personalities involved, a lot of more different people involved, and you can't just explain it to them the same way you explained it to five people. Mm. Right. So every decision starts having more consequences. The more successful you become. So whenever you are faced then with tough decisions, you need to look back at the original statement that you that you made for yourself as to why you're starting the gym and if it doesn't agree with it then think twice maybe three times maybe more maybe discard it altogether but if any decision that you make goes counter to that original statement then you really need to think are you doing the right thing here now that makes a lot of sense and uh if you don't mind me asking what's your uh, sort of original statement if you don't if you don't mind me asking uh, no, not at all. Is so the when we opened the gym, I was a purple belt. I just found myself in a situation where I left my team. You know, I'm still in a good relationship. There's no like massive controversy or anything with me. Just you know, the the circumstances were such that we left. So me, so I'm training. My wife Sylvia is training. Um, so I was purple belt at the time. She was blue belt, and we were basically didn't have a place to train. Um, then we found a gym um, in Smithfield, here in Dublin, so not far from where we are now. Uh, and within two weeks from when we started there, so we really liked it, um, the guy who was running the gym, he left. So we didn't really intend to start the gym. We didn't really, it wasn't in the plans. I had a full, we both had full-time jobs, no intentions of opening the gym. Just we First we found ourselves, sorry, in the, where we could, we didn't have anywhere to train, but when we did have somewhere to train, that basically quickly dissipated, and it was just left, you know, a gym, us, and maybe 10 other people, right? So the reason we decided to take it over and say we're going to run this gym now is because we just wanted a place for us to train, for me and Sylvia, so, right? So that's our primary objective. We just want a nice place that fits our personalities, that fits 
whatever we're trying to, to do. We just want to train. We just want a place to train. And that, I actually never wrote it anywhere specifically, but it's written in my head very, very, you know, in, in bold letters. We just want a nice place to train. So anytime I'm making a decision about my gym, I'm asking myself, is it still going to be a nice place for me to train? Mm. So that's a pretty good one. And man, also, I just got a little sidetrack question here. How did you uh, decide the sort of aesthetic for your gym? Because for anyone who doesn't know, I've been to Peter's gym like twice, twice, I think. It's fucking really nice, white and gray aesthetic. It's fucking, it's a beautiful goddamn gym, for lack of a better term. You, how did you decide that sort of aesthetic for the gym? I don't think it was any decided specifically. I think it just kind of grew organically. We always had, from the beginning, when we opened our first place, or we took over our first place, it was very rough industrial place. It was in Smithfield, old building, um, really, really rough building because it was old, right? It was. It was. It's now doesn't exist anymore. It's, it, ha, it has been demolished. So um, anytime somebody came in and you know visiting the academy, and I'd say, "Oh, you have really nice industrial vibe here." It's like, "Do we? I didn't realize we do." Yeah, grand. Okay, cool. So we had an industrial vibe there. Then we moved to Portobello, another place, and there we had like an ex garage, like a engine repair shop, which was also fairly industrial feel about it. Uh, so we always had this kind of industrial vibe uh, going in the gym. When it comes to, so the first time we got away from it is in the, our current location because this is kind of a retail unit. It's, it's supposed to be like a shop here, and we you know we took it over, so it doesn't really have that industrial vibe anymore. Uh, but um, the aesthetics, I, I always, I, I was always a fan of just kind of simplicity and kind of minimal style. The gray mats came, kind of fell on top of us when uh, the guys at Royal Grappling Academy, they were redeveloping their own academy. They were renewing it. I think they were moving at the time and they put their mats for sale and they had kind of the famous Marcelo Garcia style gray mats. So, and they were in mid condition. So we snapped those off them and put them in. And then once you have those kind of, even now that we expanded, we needed more mats. I can't just throw these all out and you know get some other color. But even if I had to do it from scratch, I'd say more people these days are arriving to a conclusion that gray mats are probably the best color mats there is. Mm. They're not funky. They're pretty clean looking. Again, as you said, the aesthetics are pretty pretty awesome of the gray mats. And they're also not white. I'm not a big fan of white mats because you know just sometimes there's too much hair and. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, even though we clean mats very, very often, especially now with the coronavirus and everything, they get wiped and cleaned. But even during the class, you know, where you don't have an opportunity to clean them up sometimes, you just don't want to see some things. Now, that makes a lot of sense because, like, for anyone who's on the white gi, you know, the troubles of trying to keep it clean and in tip top shape. So I imagine a fucking white mat, or if you had a mat like tarp or overlay or whatever you yeah. call it, that, that wouldn't be fun. Yeah, the, the only the only way I would put white mats if we had like an extensive uh, kind of reception area and changing room area where which historically we never had. Now we have a bit more space and stuff. Uh, but uh, you know where you could literally just get changed, make sure everything is clean before you enter the training area. 
but for us, like the gate is pretty close, so you know things eventually gets gets pretty dirty. Mm. Now I get you. Someone could easily just walk in barefoot off the street and just go on the mats, and it's if it's white, <laughs> there'll be like muddy footprints. What on the mat? Like it's a fucking uh, murder mystery. Like someone stepped in blood and they're walking. Like it'll be yeah. something like that. It'll be out of a fucking movie or some shit. Exactly. Okay, so guys, we've reached a segment of the podcast. I like to call around to specifics. Just a bunch of random questions. Some about jiu-jitsu, some aren't about jiu-jitsu. So, Peter, do you want to do around to specifics? Sure. Well, you said you also said there's a question from Instagram. Oh yeah, yeah. I completely forgot about that question. Oh yeah. See, thanks for reminding me. Now, guys, we we did get a question off Instagram. Well, we got a few, but this is the only good one. And it's a fucking amazing one. Now, Peter, is it true? That you trained so hard that your hair fell out like Saitama in One Punch Man. Is that true? I would like to think so. <laughs> so there's no other reason for it for my hair to fall out, right? Uh, as I say, no, it's, it's genetics. Uh, my dad is bald, so <laughs> I ought to be bald as well. Uh, but uh, at the moment, when I shave it really tight, it's, uh, I always tell people it's, it still looks like it's a choice. <laughs> no, it's, it's not really if I let it grow out if I leave it for like a week even you know you know you better shave your head because it looks ugly but if yeah, I shave it nice and clean for a couple of days it looks like it's a choice <laughs> now see like uh, during the first sort of lockdown I shaved my head and I have to say that was the worst fucking decision I've ever made in my life because being bald for me at the time wasn't very good i didn't like it and then i started because none of the barbers are open like i usually get a fade so i tried to give myself a fade but it looked horrible and then my hair grew a bit i was like you know what uh i've never had a mohawk so that that's what a mohawk came about for anyone who's wondering yeah i'm uh, kind of jealous but i'm also not (laughs) uh well that's that's the best comment i've ever received about the mohawk (laughs) well like if you think this is bad my my brother has a fucking mullet so just think about that for a minute yeah, I'd rather have a mohawk. <laughs> yeah, see? Thank you. Someone who finally agrees that mohawks are better than mullets. Like, Yeah, but uh, I'd rather be bald as well. <laughs> <laughs> that really hurt. That really hurt, Peter. That really hurt. Okay, so on to the specifics. What's your favorite gi in your collection, my man? Uh, my favorite gi in the collection? Uh, I have, like, all my gis are scrambled at the moment, so I have... One that I I discontinued recently. I actually stopped wearing it. So literally, maybe a week before the lockdown, is was Athlete Three Scramble Athlete Three White Gi was amazing. But I wore it so much that it was kind of started. You know, the color it, it's white gi, so it kind of color became a little bit nasty. Mm. Nah, I understand. Like, uh, how many gis you say you own? Like in total throughout all years of training, how many do you say you've had? Do you know twenty? Just twenty? Yeah, no, I'm not like. Is it is it sarcastic or? No, like because like, <laughs> I, people have heard this on the podcast before, but this this might be overzealous. I've owned. This might seem a bit much. I've owned twenty six skis. <laughs> No, I don't, I don't count mine, but I would imagine somewhere around 20. I, I, a lot of them I'd give away, and I gave a lot away after we you know, started working on the scramble, and so like I had a bunch of other geese, and so I just kind of 
given away. But the good thing for us is that Sylvia is also wearing it. We're both wearing the same size A2, so we can really just kind of stock up on them and exchange them as we as we please. But yeah, actually, actually three, I would, you know, hopefully one day they'll they'll do a remake of that specifically. Mm. Would you two ever bicker about who gets to wear the really nice ski to train in? Do I what? Uh, would you and uh, you and your wife ever bicker about who gets to wear the really nice gi to train in since you're the same no, size? Well, most 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 our gis are pretty plain. Like we 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 kind of like the minimal style as well. Mm. So um, not really no. Ah, that's not a factor. None of them have nice rash guard lining or anything, or really just. No, I have I have one like that, and uh, it is, I think I have a Maeda gi somewhere. I don't really like training in it. <laughs> no, see, I, I, I don't get the appeal of like, uh, like I know it serves a purpose for like your fancier geese. Like, say they want to put a design in there or something. Like a lot of my titanic yeah. geese do that. But see, just wear a rash guard. At that point, you don't really need the rash guard lining because the front of you isn't being rash guarded. Say you aren't wearing a rash guard, yeah. and like it's it's fucking cold and shit. Then like you're yeah. not. It's not distributed evenly. So just wear a rash guard. I mean, I remember, I remember times when I was really getting really excited about all sorts of geese, and I would look at them, and I was like, I, I want one, I need one, like I absolutely have to have this gee, and you know, you'd, you'd you'd go and visit the same web page seven times before you decide not to buy it, but then <laughs> one day, one day you buy it, and then you get it, and then you train it, come on, eh, all right, <laughs> I'm over it now. So <laughs> at the moment, uh... at the moment, yeah, it's it's just keep it simple. That has happened way too many times for me to, <laughs> to admit. So I'm, I'm not going to admit how many times that's happened. So, but, uh, who would you say, to move on, who, is, who would you say is the most famous person you've rolled with? The most famous person I roll with? Uh, uh, who would be the most... Oh, jiu-jitsu people, yeah. yeah. Um, Espen, Matisse, probably. Mm. Uh, it's not for sure you were going to say uh, Adam, Adam Borzinski oh yeah sorry Adam Borzinski yeah I competed against him and then uh, then you showed up to his seminar like that's that's actually the, that's the first time I met you way back in December like you yeah. uh, at the Adam seminar yes yes it was pretty much a week after he beat me up in in Berlin <laughs> he was just like you again <laughs> No, he was like, because uh, I think because Maine, the jungle, kind of predominantly known for the kind of headquarters in Prague. So, and I'm also kind of Eastern European looking, I suppose. Uh, so he just assumed I was from somewhere like in Prague. And uh, when I met him, like we just in the changing room, he goes, what? You live, you live, you live here? <laughs> like, no, I came all the way from Prague to attend this. Of course I live here. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't say that, but... Uh, but imagine if that was the case. Say you did live in Prague and you went all the way to Dublin ju- just so you could have another crack at him. You'd be like, yeah, "This yeah. guy is fucking crazy." <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, it was it was good. I think I, I I can't remember if I already knew I was going to his seminar a week later. Maybe I, I think I did, but uh, I only signed up so I was competing, uh, Nogi, and I only signed up to Absolute because I figured I had a really good chance of fighting him. 
<laughs> and he's like he's a good bit bigger than so obviously he's not he's like a couple of divisions above me but uh i was really wrecked i was really tired and i was like uh let's just go home it was a long day and then i was like i'm looking at the brackets i was like i have a really good chance of fighting him so yeah i signed up and uh fought Warzynski. yeah uh, that was a good one man i i'm so fucking jealous man i wish i could have well actually i don't because he would have fucking murdered me so i think it's good thing that i didn't uh Roll with him. <laughs> uh, then, uh, what was your favorite TV show when you were growing up? Uh, you probably wouldn't know them. They were all Russian. But, uh, <laughs> there was no... Uh, were there any American or British TV shows? No. I mean, I liked all the cartoons, like Disney, you know, the Tom and Jerry. Cartoons and stuff that I would watch those on VHS like over and over again when I was a kid. Mm. That was probably one of my favorite if, if you consider that a show, but other than that, I think most other stuff was Russian stuff. Mm. Uh, man, what would you say is your, the most embarrassing injury you've ever had? Would it be a jiu jitsu injury or a non jiu jitsu injury? Just the way you got injured was so just ridiculous. Injuries, uh, let me think. Did I have any stupid injury recently? I, well, a few months ago. I hurt my toe pretty stupidly. I inverted and just hit my toe off the mat. Like I don't know what I was trying to do, but I decided just to kick the mat while I was inverted. Um, yeah, so that my that hurt my toe for a good few months. It was just painful, <laughs> <laughs> so I had to keep keep wrapping it. But yeah, I I don't know what I was doing, how I was doing it, but I inverted and just decided to like soccer kick the mat. From, you know, upside down. <laughs> oh, it was your but, big uh, toe for sure, right? Because it yeah, only happens yeah. to the big toe. It only happens yeah. to the fucking big toe. Like yeah. recently, like uh, there's this dude. He's like, I'm, I'm like 80 kg. This guy's 110, and he's like really fucking tall. And he, we were in 50-50. We were doing the standard, well, you know, uh, fucking butts thing to make to get an advantage in 50-50. And you know what he does? He tries to bear, bear, bear air quotes, bear and bowl with me by forward rolling and making me roll over my toe and it wasn't pretty it was really fucking yeah. painful <laughs> i can imagine yeah but other than that so far i've been blessed with no any, nothing serious as far as injuries are concerned so and if you could ban sorry if you could ban one guard or position from competition what would it be and why if i could Ban what? Say like serious size or or <laughs> yeah, like uh, any position, uh, sort of any position or guard. Like say you hate lapel guard, bam, lapel guard's gone. Like what's what's your what's your grievance? Yeah, no, no, like lapel guard. Uh, I think I, I get the value of it, but I, yeah, get away with lapel guard. Don't, don't like it. <laughs> but dude, it's so annoying. It annoys people so much. That's why I love it. <laughs> no, no, I, I I understand it, and I, I'd probably love it as well if I if I just spent more time with it. Uh, but if I could just make it disappear magically, and I would never, it just would let's say we would level the playing field somewhat. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, see, I think the best compliment you can ever receive after rolling with someone is not "you're strong" or "that was a good round" or "good work." It's that round that was really fucking annoying. What you were doing there. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I fucking love that one. Uh, dude, uh, what's your favorite song to roll to if you ever play uh, music in the gym? Uh, I play the music. I'm in charge of the music all the time. Uh, it's a couple of Russian guys. Uh, people are kind of pissed at me, <laughs> pissed off with me at the, with my music choices at the moment. But at the same time, everybody, everybody 
knows you know that's a roll time um so i don't mess around once once the music comes on it's a roll time uh one is called there's this uh, there's a group of like two people um they are both from my hometown in russia and one of them is called miyagi like mr miyagi so uh and <laughs> um, yeah i really like the the beat and the vibe um it's like a hip hop with the tint of reggae reggae like Hmm. Yeah, really cool. send send it my way after the podcast. I want to hear this uh, yeah. auspicious song now. <laughs> I mean, if yeah, well, gonna... it's, it's a whole. There's like there's like they they've got loads of songs. It's like I'll send you a couple of good ones. You'll like it. Thanks a lot, man. So yeah, if you could time travel to any historical period, where would you go and why? What's your what's your pick? Uh, where would I go? Hmm. Probably to about ten and start jujitsu early. I don't know. Start wrestling in Russia mm. when I was about ten. You know, I think I, think, I remember my my dad brought me um, a like a singlet home, and it's like, okay, you're going to wrestling, and I was like, yeah, sure, and I just never went. Just <laughs> so maybe maybe to that day, and say, okay, pick that up, go to to a wrestling gym. Uh, <laughs> it would it would have been way better jujitsu now. <laughs> well, man, uh, you're you're sort of think see. Here's the thing, like I'm thinking, I used to think that I'd love to do something like that, but then I realized, well, say I did go back to when I was younger, I could somehow change stuff. I'd have to go through school again, and no thanks. I, I did <laughs> no, thank mind you. school. I did mind school. Like there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of things. Uh, no, I actually enjoyed my. Uh, I have to say, if I had to relive it again, I don't mind it. And imagine if I if I had been doing wrestling as well, I would have been a badass as well at the time. So, you know, I, I'll take I'll take that. <laughs> well, uh, I think most people would agree that you are a badass anyway. So uh, it's sort of a yeah, but my... I, w- I wasn't back then. <laughs> my life would have been way easier if I was, you know, training wrestling from the age of ten. <laughs> Uh, well, all that matters is that you're one now. <laughs> I was a nerd. <laughs> uh, man, so, yeah. What would you say is the worst movie you've ever seen? The worst jiu-jitsu move? No, a movie, like a film. Oh, movie, sorry. I thought you said uh, worst movie. Uh, there was a good few bad ones. I remember watching the thing called Watchmen. Have you ever seen Watchmen? Oh yeah, that was back in 2010, was it, or around that time? Somewhere around that time, yeah, it's horrendous. Mm. Uh, There's a new show like on Amazon Prime about it, and that's not much. That's not much better. Yeah, I don't even remember what was inside. I just, I just remember the feeling, how I felt after the movie. I said, "This is an utter waste of the tenor." that I paid to go to the cinema. <laughs> like I said, it was so, like, I, I erased the movie off from my memory. I just remember that ridiculous scene of them making love, you know, with the moon behind and the Hallelujah song playing. Like, who came up with this? Um, that's the only part I remember. But then after that, I distinctly remember how disgusted I felt having, to, having spent 10 quid on that. Man, you just don't like sex scenes on the moon, man. <laughs> you really don't like that. Very... I haven't seen that movie in a while. I much, I mustn't give it a rewatch. But I'll, I'm like, I didn't realize people thought it was bad. Like, I just thought it was just a nor, nor sort of. 
Listen, maybe I watch it now and I think it's amazing, but I just remember the time I, I, I was really upset. Like I, was, I came out as like, I could have gotten, you know, a burrito or something for for, for this tenor. <laughs> I could have lived like a king off the Eurosaver menu with this tenor. Exactly. Oh, man. That sort of shit. Ah, uh, you know. Sometimes you got to make a... Uh, a wise, oh sorry, an unwise purchase to realize, yeah, uh, I'm never see doing that again. Yeah. Let's see, we got a bit of a moral conundrum here. If you're up for it, go on. So, uh, would you rather cure cancer or solve world hunger? Uh, I would say. Hmm. I would say cure cancer. I don't think there's a right answer, but uh, I'd say cure cancer mm. because hung hunger can be solved, if you know what I mean. Mm. It's more like the, the, there are means of solving hunger, I, su I suppose, versus, you know, there are no really means, like existing means of, you know, curing cancer. So, yeah, I think I would go for cancer. Mm. Now that's a good one because, like, uh, see, people always get a bit like, oh, with that question sometimes. Because, like, see, it's not like you're doing something bad. You're doing, you know, you have the choice to do good things, two good things, but you can only do one. So, you know, that's still a, a good sort of outcome. Cancer being yeah, done. so so that's what I say. Cancer, like, if if you had an option, if you had like a you know a wish, a magic wish, you know what. You can solve hunger without that, whereas, you know, whether you can solve cancer without that, I'm not sure. Mm. Hopefully you can, but... Mm. See, I'm just thinking, like, how many... Say cancer just suddenly disappeared tomorrow, right? Just magically, poof. How many people would be out of work in all these cancer uh, research organizations? They'd just be out of a job. Well, they would... They would, they would re I'm pretty sure they're smart people to, to retrain into something else, so... I, I but don't the, think the job market upset. would be flooded though they'd be all, everyone would be killing each other trying to get a job in another field <laughs> or maybe they just take all the effort and resources and divert it to hunger or something I don't know best exactly. case scenario exactly you know, exactly like, you know like oh yeah that's one problem sorted let's do this other one boom yeah mm. I mean, uh, in your professional opinion do you think you could pull off a handlebar mustache Handlebar mustache. My dad's got a mustache, so it's it's all about genetics, right? So my my hair's gone from the top of my head because of my dad. He's wearing a mustache, so I'd say so. I could. Uh, why don't you get like uh, what's it the, the pure Tiger King one? Like uh, it comes down to here, or maybe the General Custer, where you have the big like mutton chops connected to the droopy beard, but no like chin. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I play it like 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 everybody else. I play around, you know. When I'm, you know, when I leave my beard, you know, and shave for a couple of weeks, and I have to shave. I don't shave it off completely right away. No, I have to play with the shapes, and then you know, make one type, then morph it into the other type before I shave it off completely. So I know I could pull it off on that basis. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Peter, we've reached the last question. Are you ready for the last question? And what would you say is uh, your jiu-jitsu spirit animal if you have one? Uh, like, what is what does it mean? Can you elaborate? Like, if you could uh, sum up, if you could sum up your game 
like using the analogy of an animal like some people oh, like okay, okay, climb okay, on okay. people's backs or like oh i'll be i'll be like a monkey or like strategically like chipping away at someone or something or like what's it a really good expression yeah. i heard was uh this is a bit unrelated it's like a btk it's like oh someone said that's like my style of jiu-jitsu is like btk is like okay what's btk means like oh bind torture kill <laughs> yeah uh I would say something like a, you know, like a big panda or something. A big panda. <laughs> yeah, I'm not like a, I wouldn't. I wouldn't call my jujitsu aggressive necessarily, mm. but at the same time, yeah, I'd, I'd like to lay heavy on people. Like, just, they, I don't know. Maybe I think it's off completely, but I don't know. Mm. Now, mushing people is really fun. They're little, uh, ga- them gasping for air, and they're little pain gurgles, or they're like, like that is, yeah. it's the greatest feeling on the world to inflict just a minor little bit of pain yeah. on someone. No, I'll have to, I'll have to think of a better animal though. Nothing comes to mind at the moment, but I'll have to think mm. about it. No, I'll come, okay. I'll come back so, to guys... that. Just, just send me a message. Can, can, yeah. can you edit it? Put it in my. I'll put it into the show notes. Like, yeah, uh, big, big what's it? yeah. correction. Yeah, correction. Peter's actual spirit animal is this. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, maybe it's a tarantula or a toucan or something. Toucan? Well, there you go. Toucan. <laughs> yeah, because that, that's your logo. <laughs> exactly. What, what are they thinking? What was I thinking? <laughs> it's 100% a toucan. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> okay, so guys, thanks for listening to the episode. If you want to follow Peter, it's at Peter Jungle BGJ or at Jungle Beach J Dublin. I'll have them in the show notes anyway. If you want to check out Peter's podcast, the All Jiu-Jitsu podcast, all about the business perspective of Jiu-Jitsu, that'll be linked as well. It's also available on Spotify, right? It's available on Spotify, yeah, right? It is, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. So, Peter, do you have anything to say before we shoot off? No, nothing to say. Just uh, wish everybody best of luck getting through the, through the last month of what seems to be... Uh, level five lockdown and then hopefully we get back to training mm. oh man that was a nice message for all two people that listen to this podcast <laughs> you know, if, if we can affect one person we, we're already succeeding right ah <laughs> uh, well i can't can't argue with that with you and that peter so guys thanks for listening hope you enjoyed if you have an idea for an episode or a suggestion for a guest shoot me or one of my co-hosts a message on instagram or shoot it shoot it at us on the facebook group you know, we're all always open to suggestions and topics and all that. So uh, thanks for listening, guys. Oosh.